hello and welcome to a July edition of the Royal Horticultural Society's Gardening Podcast. I'm Jenny Bowden, a member of the Garden Advice Team here at the RHS. This week, our team is hard at work helping gardeners with their problems at the RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show. And this podcast is coming to you from the show itself on the banks of the Thames, bringing you a closer look at some of this year's highlights. And what a show week it's been. Gorgeous sun and blue skies showing this enormous floral extravaganza at its best, with hundreds of exhibitors bringing the best in gardening to the regal surroundings of the palace grounds. I've really enjoyed the show gardens this year, especially the Great Gardens of the USA, a series of three gardens encapsulating specific areas of the country. So there's a garden on Oregon, there's one based around what you'd see in Charleston, the Hidden Gardens of Charleston, and the beaches of Florida. And they've just done really well to, to just put the flavour of each of those parts of the states into those small spaces. And I really enjoyed them to look at as a threesome as well as individually. I thought it was a lovely ideas. One of the biggest crowd pullers this year was the RHS Kitchen Garden. This was a large show garden created by designer Juliet Sargent, entirely made from edible plants. Each day, renowned travelling chefs, the Hairy Bikers, broadcast their BBC TV show Kitchen Garden Live from the garden. Demonstrating live, delicious and innovative recipes for many of the plants growing in the garden, they aim to inspire visitors to grow and eat more of their own produce. Unsurprisingly, they attracted huge audiences each day, both on screen and at the show. We went to find out more about the garden, to meet the eccentric chefs and to speak to some of the garden-loving celebrities in the audience. Here's Harry Biker, Psy King. Everything that you see in the garden and on the set when we're producing the show is edible. So it's great for us because if we forget anything, we can just go and grab a handful of it. It's just great. And it also, I think what's been really surprising about the garden is that ordinarily you don't think when you're planting gardens that vegetables and herbs and th are beautiful and ornate. And they are. So, you know, the humble, the humble onion is beautiful. It, it's, you know, it, it, it produces great great flora so all of that has been a real surprise for me personally but it's just so lovely to know that there's such a variety of things that will actually grow in the UK as well which is fantastic for us it's just all this amazing produce that you can go nick out of the garden it's great I'm Juliet Sargent and uh, I'm a garden designer and I'm delighted to have designed the RHS kitchen garden for the Hampton Court flower show this year. This garden is all about inspiring people to grow their own veggies and also edible flowers, lots of edible plants and uh, it's a big garden and uh, with lots of beds. Some of the beds are laid out quite traditionally with rows of cabbages and rows of spinach but then there are also flowers interspersed with it and some of the beds are just ornamental plants that you wouldn't know that you can eat. Standing in front of a fantastic dahlia here with really bright orange petals and uh, you can eat dahlia tubers. Apparently um, dahlias were quite popular before potatoes so uh, yeah tried some dahlia tubers. <laughs> We've also got some begonias. Um, you can eat begonia flowers 
so that's a that's a nice one but also my favorite I've got some plants growing in the shade um, which you can eat there are some ferns surprisingly when the young fronds curl out in the spring you can fry those and you can fry hosta leaves when they're very young mahonias are um, a fairly standard shrub an evergreen shrub that you can grow and usually is grown for lovely scented flowers in the in the springtime but come the autumn time the berries are delicious um, and you can make jams and jellies with them so uh, yeah have a look at your mahonia bush and see if it's got any berries I think if you're starting out growing your own, the most important thing is to get yourself some really good soil. Um, the easiest way to do that is a raised bed or even a pot if you haven't got much space. Um, and once you've got really nutritious soil, you're off to a great start. Try things like um, lettuces or broad beans are really easy. They're really great. But then also try some interesting stuff like Vietnamese coriander because you can't buy that in the shops very easily. The Vietnamese coriander is a, a very tasty, herb and a great looking plant. We've been grafting away for three weeks now. We've had a fantastic team of volunteers who've worked on the garden and we've uh, we've produced something that we're really proud of and we're delighted that the hairy bikers are using it. The real message of this garden is, is plot to plate. We want people to just try growing something because once you try it you'll really be bitten by the bug. There's something wonderfully beautiful about going to pick something off its its growing essence in its bush and then eating it. There is something elemental and wonderful and wondrous about that and that's the great thing about being here in this garden. My name's Dave Myers, I'm one half of the Hairy Bikers. Like growing your own vegetables and your own food, it ticks so many boxes, you know, both for your health, it's fun. I grow all my own veg and I love it. I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, Sai and I wrote a, we just wrote a vegetarian book because we're eating so many vegetables. Those potatoes that we used in the show today, they were mine. You know, I, I dug them up last week and uh, I love it. And I, and I think it's that joy, say, remember when I was a child, I got some mustard and cress seeds and put them on blotting paper in the airing cupboard. So when I had my egg and cress sandwiches, it was my cress and my, my you know, it just is a bit special. And I think if you grow it yourself, you treat it with the respect, say, if you go and buy a steak, you kind of treat it with a bit of reverence. Do the same thing to an aubergine when you grow it yourself. You know, you know that aubergine and that one, and you better cook. Um, it's good for you, and it gets you out of the house. Now, oh, what's not to love? And you don't need that much space, as Julia has proven in this. There's all sorts of tricks you can do. Herb walls, interesting. They're like pockets on a, on a cloth backing. Um, or a plastic backing and it's full of soil, it drains off and with various herbs. You can pin it up, you water it and you've got growing herbs, well wherever you, you've got, you've got a balcony, it's perfect, so if you don't want the water going through to the neighbours, um, that's great and I love the uh, compost heap, it's basically a pile of bricks that goes around a conical ship, it looks like a sculpture but as, as your, your compost grows you put another layer on, as you use your compost you just take the bricks off, it's genius. I know I, I've got big plastic bins and they're, yeah exactly they're going to go now, I'm, I'm into this one. Um, also we've got aquaponics going on there which is kind of like hydroponics but you, you've got fish, fish living tanks, the fish does their poop, the poop fertilises the plants. We have a, a strawberry wall there, it's a wall of strawberry plants back there. There's all sorts of things and tricks and ways of growing, it's just inspiring really.
Hello, I'm Liz Carr, and I'm, uh, you might know me as Clarissa in Silent Witness. And I'm also seeing plants that I've got in my garden. We've got a small garden in central London. I'm like, oh my goodness, we've got that. So there's, there's a Mahonia in the back there, and I think, that, I think the berries, the berries must be presumably edible because everything in the garden is. And I'm, I'm loving the wall, um, and it, it gives me ideas, of because that's really accessible as a wheelchair user. It's, it's having things at the right height, so you can reach, and things at the floor are no good for me so I have a raised bed uh, that we we grow we try we attempt to grow things very unsuccessfully most of the time but I'm liking this walled this vertical growing now because then everything's at your height or a height that you want it to be and they're really beautiful and to have that there's so much concrete in I mean there's a lot of green in London uh, and in our towns and cities but actually to have even more green over the concrete I really like that idea it's a really clever garden because it's beautiful but everything as I say is edible so there's things that you'd recognize there are of course you know I'm just looking straight ahead and there's there, there are cabbages there and there's celery growing and all that but then the rest you know half of the garden are things that you would just identify as plants some part of them is edible which is which is incredible Actress Liz Wade concluding our visit to the RHS kitchen garden at the Hampton Court Palace Flower Show if you'd like more information and practical advice about what to do this month in your garden, including growing your own fruit and vegetables, go to our website rhs.org.uk forward slash advice. There's a wealth of information, including our new step-by-step how-to guides, key monthly jobs, video tutorials and much more. I'm Jenny Bowden and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast from the RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show. One of the show gardens this year which proved especially popular with younger visitors was the Zaflora and Cordwell Children's Wild Garden, designed by Adam White and Andre Davies. This featured a large woodland play area, including a giant boulder revolving on a pedestal that visitors could turn like a natural merry-go-round. The garden aimed to reconnect children with nature through play, and visitors of all ages were certainly enjoying the huge stepping stones and hidden dens. And the judges loved it too, awarding it a gold medal and the much-coveted Best in Show award. It was also specifically designed with the needs of children and adults with autistic spectrum disorders in mind, and explored the ideas of gardens as therapeutic spaces. We met the designer to find out more. My name is Andre Davis, I'm a landscape architect and I've designed this garden which is the Zaflora and Cordwell Children Wild Garden. We've been working with the charity and the sponsor for six months. Um, they have a focus on creating environments and helping children with autism on the autism spectrum disorder. So we've been working with their team to bring our skills and theirs together and we've created a wild garden so we've used the woodland um, as a setting for the garden. Um, we've taken uh, the layers of a woodland, so we've got big trees in the garden, smaller trees as an understory, and then we've used uh, lower level planting and ground cover, and all the planting is suitable for children. So we've first of all eliminated any poisonous plants, any plants with prickles or thorns, and then we've chosen plants that are very uh, tolerant of a little bit of trampling or um, you know, picking. We encourage kids to pick the flowers in the wildflower meadow and to run and to make trails through the planting area. We really want kids to explore um, and get close to the planting. So one of the plants we've chosen is called 
Ruba strickler. Now that's a really common plant. You see it in supermarket car parks and in roadsides and that's because it's really tolerant of difficult conditions. So whatever condition you've got in your garden, that's one plant that will do really well. It's got a lovely hairy, red hairy stem. So for children it looks like, you know, insect legs or spider legs. And then it's got these beautiful shiny heart-shaped leaves and on the back it's a real contrast the leaf texture and color so that's a really good one to use um, some of the other things we've put in are uh, ferns um, regersias so these are things with very distinctive leaf shapes and if you pick them the other thing we've been doing with the children is pressing leaves in a flower press so we've taken leaves from we've got a beech tree um, a sacidophyllum which is that wonderful tree that has the smell of candy floss in the autumn and we've been going around taking a leaf off each tree and pressing them and comparing them with each other. And that's quite a nice way of getting children to think about the detail of plants. So often in these, this day and age, there's, you know, information comes at you so fast. Kids are on their computers looking at screens and you know everything seems to be increased in pace. But this is a really nice way of looking at the detail of plants and how um, you know all the wonderful colour and texture you get just through, you know from ten different uh, trees and looking at the leaves. One of the things working with um, our charity, we've learned a lot about autism spectrum disorder. And one of the things is about making change, but making it very gradual. So there's no sharp dividing lines between surfaces or between colours. So we've got a path running through the garden and it starts off as really big slabs. And gradually these slabs get smaller and smaller as it goes through the garden. So it's, the garden starts off in a big open area with grass, so there's limited colours, limited texture. And then as you journey through the garden, more sensory information comes in, more colours, more texture, more leaf shape. Um, and that's so that children who are hypersensitive might feel they want to just stay in one area of the garden. And those that are hyposensitive, you know, they like lots of um, sensory stimulation, can just you know, go all the way through and really get involved in the, the garden. We're always um, thinking very carefully about the colours we use in playful landscapes. Now in a traditional playground there's a sort of default to think that children primary colours and we don't think like that. We try and use much softer colours and a lot of green and parents and carers tell us that when their children play in these kind of softer coloured environments they are quieter and it's not, uh, you know, those primary colours are very stimulating. Red particularly, you know, we don't use any red. It's a very stimulating colour and it encourages um, children to you know, run around and shout. Same with the materials, you need soft materials, soft colours, and that really does have the effect of uh, making a gentle environment, and, and you know, it has an effect on children's behaviour, and we've seen that over the years in the projects that we've done. You can find photos and more information about the show, as always, on the RHS website. On our pages, you can also find details of other upcoming shows and events for you to enjoy this summer. These include the RHS Garden Hyde Hall Flower Show, which runs from the 3rd to the 6th of August. The show promises an all-encompassing day out with specialist nurseries, gardening sundries, expert advice and demonstrations, as well as the chance to explore the garden in full bloom. 
See the winning photographs from the 2017 RHS Photographic Competition as they tour the RHS gardens for the very first time, starting at Rosemore, where they will be on display until the 25th of July. Meanwhile, at Harlow Carr, each Sunday afternoon in July and August, you can enjoy live music in the garden, the perfect accompaniment to the summer sunshine. Get into the tropical vibe at Wisley with Zantadishas on show on the 24th of July between 11 and 3.30. There'll be colourful displays of these stunning plants, cut flower demonstrations and arrangements, presentations, plants for sale and care advice and information. All these events are free with normal garden entry, so that's totally free for you and a family guest if you're an RHS member. And of course, there's still time to indulge your plant passions at the Tatton Park Flower Show in Cheshire, which runs from the 19th to the 23rd of July. Tickets are selling fast, so get yours now so that you don't miss out. Full details of all events are on our website. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash event search. 2017 saw the introduction of a brand new category of show garden at Hampton Court, acknowledging the increasing importance and recognition of climate change and sustainability in garden design. The innovative and beautiful gardens on display aim to inspire and empower gardeners to face the challenges of changing weather patterns. One garden that showcased a range of innovative and attractive approaches to conserving water, avoiding drought and preventing flooding in a typical small town garden was the urban rain garden. We spoke to the designer to get some ideas to try out for ourselves. My name is Rhiannon Williams, we are here at the Hampton Court Palace Flower Show and I have built the urban rain garden. So my garden uh, includes a front garden and a back garden and demonstrates clever um, but beautiful, or I like to think they are, uh, <laughs> rainwater interventions for capture, storage and movement. So some of the strategies in the garden uh, include uh, disconnecting your downpipe. So we have our downpipe running into our planter uh, which slowly fills up and once that reaches a certain point it will overflow into another planter. That is part of the rainwater movement. So we're taking it from the downpipe throughout the garden, slowly irrigating all the plants along the way. The planting of the garden is kind of split into different zones. So at the top here we've got aquatic and marginal plants which like obviously being in the water and can deal with being in water for longer periods of time. In the middle we've got a sunny damp mix which then leads into our dry sunny mix and then we also have a sort of woodland mix at the bottom which naturally would be damper because it's under the tree but doesn't get any of the rainwater reaching it. So we've tried to make it as most of a realistic garden as possible. So we have a range of pots, we have some herbs, uh, we have a lawn. There's sort of elements in here that people have in their own gardens, um, but there's little te techniques. Like we've had our, we left our lawn quite long. That, that helps with water conservation. It helps with water percolating down through. So that's quite a good, good one to keep. That's quite a normal thing to have. Um, the pots also, they, you know, any water that falls onto them goes into the pots. Less water on the paving. So we have channels cut into the paving which any surface rainfall that falls onto the patio gets channeled into these channels. There's a slight fall on them so it falls into the permanent water rill. It's just trying to clear the water from, from the outdoor space and use it and channel it into somewhere new. So yeah we have a grill in our front garden um, that is a soakaway system. So similar to the back we have a planter um, that fills up with water from a rain chain. Once it reaches a certain height it flows overflows into a channel that has pebbles. That channel with pebbles then leads into the soakaway um, which is also a functional space it allows the space to park your car 
um, which is obviously something that everybody needs to do, but it's trying to not only just pave over that space, but actually use it and make it functional for water. Our levels of rainfall are kind of changing um, quite erratically. If you look over sort of the statistics, the amount of water that we get throughout the year isn't changing a huge amount, but the amount per rain event is is quite changing quite drastically. So we need to make our gardens suitable to this increase in rainfall so that in 10 years' time, we're not having the problems that we're having now. When you create a garden, you're creating it for in the future, for 15 years down the road. So we want to do that now so that come a few years' time, when it's even more erratic, we're ready and we're prepared. You can find information about gardening and climate change on our website. There, you can also read and download the full RHS report into Gardening in a Changing Climate, outlining the results of our detailed scientific research in this area. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash climate change. I'm afraid that's all we have time for in this podcast. We'll be back at RHS Garden Wisley in a fortnight. Until then, remember you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. For now, from me, Jenny Bowden and all the podcast team, thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>